you this week and so next week uh, on Sunday night I'm going to do lesson nine uh, on Sunday night instead of next Wednesday so uh, just to catch up on my schedule with what I've got planned for in the future but anyhow uh, lesson number eight is tonight and uh, page 33 lesson eight page 33 uh, and uh, Romans chapter 13 Romans 13 verse one let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God and revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. <coughs> 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 13 and 14 is the other place that we can go to. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14, it says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to be, it be to king is supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. We talked about <clears throat> government and whether we obey God rather than men. This, this topic ties into that. And I want to change the title a little bit to just self-defense <clears throat> and defending ourselves. Uh, the title in the book that we've been using says, What Does God Say About Going to War? Well, if you read the Old Testament, you realize that God was not opposed to going to war. However, when you get to the New Testament, <clears throat> you don't find God changing his mind about war, but what you find is, is that God ties it into a spiritual warfare. As a matter of fact, in Corinthians it says, Second Corinthians it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, all right? And rather, the, and, the, and the Bible itself is called the sword. And, uh, and so the Old Testament are things given to us as examples for our learning. I want to encourage you. And then, of course, Paul says that we are to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ and that we are not to be entangled in the affairs of this life just as a soldier shouldn't be entangled in things that would hinder him from being a good soldier. And so ultimately what I believe is I'm in the Lord's army, and that army is the number one military that I belong to. Okay, It's the number one allegiance that I belong to. And you'll find out a thousand years from now that I'm right, even if tonight you don't agree. That is the number one mission. That is the number one purpose of my life is to be a soldier in God's army. And you can fight physical battles, as it says in Ephesians, uh, the, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're in a spiritual battle. And that is a harder one to fight. It's a harder one to be disciplined for. It's a harder one to win. But it is the one that you and I as Christians are to be a part of. And so I, I want to use wisdom and I want to be, like Jesus said, wise as serpents and harmless as doves in some of this issue. And I want to understand the times that I live in. The times that I live in. Uh, I'm going to read from this book here a little bit. When we look for answers to the things that matter most in life, we do not need to look to man. We need to look to God. Amen. When we deal with subjects as serious as the subject of war, let's go to God's word and see what the Bible says. So I, right off the bat, I want to say that God is not against the idea of war or defense. All right, we're going to see that tonight. This is not about being a peacenik in any way. All right, this is not about being some weird hippie that just thinks that everybody who has any kind of, you know, manly violent act is, a, is, a, is, is some weird, wicked person. The truth is they're the weird ones, all right? Uh, we need, on the other hand, understand... Uh, what's happening and what and what Satan is doing with humanity today? Um, let me just go off on a rabbit trail right now, and then and then we'll keep going. 
um, for several years, years in the past, I don't know, last four years, I've been hearing about the corruption in our own government, and uh, it's no shock that we have corruption. Scott Clem just posted a, a picture of, a, of an iceberg, and there's a little part that sticks out of the water, and that's the corruption we know about. There's a huge part underneath, that's the corruption we don't know about. We know that. Um, but I was hearing the names like Mitt Romney and uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, the Biden family being involved with Ukraine. I heard that several years ago. Ta-da, there's a war in Ukraine. Now, what's all that about? You, don't tell me that there isn't a connection with all that. There is definitely a connection with all that, all right? The current president of Ukraine was a former TV actor. You can see him doing wicked, lewd things on TV, totally stark naked, as a comedy routine before he was ever president. Um, don't think for a minute there aren't puppet presidents that are installed to act as president, all right? And, uh, and so this does not mean I'm a Russia fan or a, or a Putin fan. However, I will say this, and I'll just say it publicly. I do think that Mr. Putin is just trying to do what's best for Russia. And if I was Russian, I'd agree with him, okay? Mr. Putin doesn't want globalism. And the rest of the world wants Mr. Putin to die because Mr. Putin's standing in the way of a one-world government, all right? That's really what this is about. People can argue that if they want to, but I think that's what, that's what it's about. I don't trust the American leaders who are telling me this is all a wonderful, good thing and we're supposed to do this. I saw a comic the other day. It, it showed Mr. Zelensky, the Ukrainian puppet, saying, we need $300 billion, and the president handing him $300 billion and say, go for it. And then the next frame, it showed the American railroad workers saying, we'd like more time off. No, nope, you can't have more time off. You know, it, it's, just, it's just amazing how we're so liberal when it comes to a, a globalist agenda. And there is definitely globalism going on. That's what's going on. That's what COVID's about. That's what all. And so I understand that when this book, when it was written, it was written 15 years ago. And, uh, and so I understand that, that it's a little bit out of context with, with our world today. The other thing I want to lay out for you, and I'm sure you've heard this before, you've, some of you heard me say this before, but the, the chess game, the game of chess, was invented in Europe somewhere. And if you know anything about the game of chess, it's all thematic on a European-type government with a king and a queen and, and bishops, because in Europe they didn't have separation of church and state, so bishops' church was very powerful, and then knights and then the rooks or the castles, you know, and families but and what was in the front row anybody know what the front row was called the pawns and the entire front row is filled with pawns at the end of a chess game how many pawns are usually left now you understand the the mental picture here the illustration that someone who invented chess is giving us that's what the that's what soldiers are today in the minds of wicked people, they are just the pawns that we use to get something done. And at the end of the game, the kings and the queens and the rooks are still hand standing and the pawns are... And I think it's a shame, but I believe for a fact that's what's going on. Now, am I against defense and war? No. But I do remember what George Washington said as he was leaving office do not quit your own land to go fight on foreign soil. That's what he said. And you know what I think? I think that's why he's etched in stone up there because he knew what he was talking about. 
And we are doing that today. We have become pawns for the globalist agenda. And uh, we're, every time what, they, what happens is, is there's a great crisis. Today is the anniversary of a great crisis. And it caused, that great crisis was the perfect inroad for this country to get into World War II. I don't think I'm the only one that has heard, and, and actually I believe that there were higher-ups in Washington, D.C. that knew Japan was going to hit Har- Pearl Harbor before it ever happened. I believe that. Because they wanted to get in the war, but they knew American public would not go to war unless we had a reason to go to war, and Pearl Harbor was the reason. Now, the people in Pearl Harbor, they're not responsible. I mean, they're, they were the pawns. And I am not saying I'm not pro-American. I'm just saying we got to understand we have for years had more wicked enemies in Washington, D.C. than we've had overseas. I believe that. Okay? And there's agendas going on and systems that that, uh, are in place here. Now, I say all that. My blood starts to quicken. My heart pumps faster and my blood's boiling. But what are we to do? Well, there are two guys in the Old Testament that I think are great examples for the times I live in. One guy's name is Joseph, and the other guy's name is Daniel. And both of them found themselves in a foreign country as slaves to a foreign system, and we are headed there. But you know what they did? They stood for God, and God blessed them, and God provided for them, and God even defeated (laughs) the enemy before them and stopped the mouths of lions and changed the course of governments through those two men. And so I want to encourage you that no matter the times you live in, don't jump off into conspiracy theory world, which isn't the answer. Even if everything I said is true, that's not the answer is not to go into conspiracy theory mode and not stick in the Bible. Stay with the word of God. Someone posted this on social media. What would the apostle Paul write if he was to write a letter to America? What would he write? And I said, we already got his letter. It's right here. He doesn't need to write us a new one. In the last days, perilous times shall come. So continue in the word and preach the word. That's our job. And so we, we should recognize ourselves as God's soldiers. Now, I've said a lot. Let me just say that um, I, would not, I would not voluntarily sign up for the military. They wouldn't want me anyway. I'm almost 50 years old and fat and ugly and out of shape. But... I wouldn't just go volunteer unless I just knew in my heart God said I needed to go. Now, if if I was younger and, and they were really desperate and they were doing the the draft, I think I'd probably pray and ask God, and if he gave me the green light, I would recognize, okay, God's want me to go, and I need to be, whether they call me it or not, I just need to be God's chaplain. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. And, and we need Christian soldiers in the military. There's no doubt about that. And so if God wants me in there and it's no, you know, I, but, but why would I hesitate? Why did I say that earlier? Why would I hesitate? Why would I not encourage? Because <laughs> what I've noticed is guys sign up when there's the conservative president and commander in chief. And then they find themselves still in and getting sent to wars for who knows reason. And the commander in chief positions changed. And now I'm a pawn. And I don't like the system. I don't think that was the original intent of of the Second Amendment. I think militias and all that are are exactly what they meant. And we've got this systemized, federalized system that is not what they intended. And I think it's 
become what Dwight D. Eisenhower called the military industrial complex. And understand this, when war happens, there are certain people who make a lot of money. They make lots and lots of dollars. Understand that, okay? So I've said a lot of stuff, and I don't want to get all, all sideways with it. But let's understand that ultimately God's still in charge. And the other thing I want to add here, it's not just in, in the subject of war, but also the subject of capital punishment. Now, you might not understand what the word capital punishment means, but capital punishment means execution for your crime. You were a murderer. You deserve to be killed. But the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Right. But the Bible also says in Genesis 9, verse 6, if you shed man's blood, your blood should be shed for that. So God instituted, after the Noah's Ark, Genesis chapter 9, God said, I believe in capital punishment. In other words, let the punishment fit the crime. If you are guilty of murder, then you should be executed for it. And God's not being a hypocrite when he turns around and says, thou shalt not kill. So we understand thou shalt not kill means murder. Therefore, I have no problem. I have no problem with defense as God recognized and shows us that. And we can see some passages as we look tonight and some things. And so um, I've I'm skipped over some of the booklet. I'm not going to read it all. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, the love of money is the root of all evil. And there is, I think Ukraine and the whole mess we got right now is all about people using our military for their own purposes or using the Ukrainian as whatever, and it's just a bunch of baloney, but it's nothing that I can do a thing about. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but I'm also going to be careful not to allow people to fool me as I've been fooled in the past. <sighs> 21 years ago, I was mad as a hornet. Some guy named Osama bin Laden, and if he was in my face, I'd have punched his lights out. I was so angry. But after 21 years, I'm still not a fan of his, for sure. But I realized, boy, it's not just that guy over there. There's other issues involved here. And there's things that don't make sense to me. I'll throw this out here just to say it and keep on going. Two planes knocked down three buildings. It's an amazing fact, but it happened. I don't know how. And they all fell straight to the ground as if they were detonated by engineers. It's amazing. Now, I'm getting off on a real wild rabbit trail, but the fact is, government is ordained of God. And there's two causes for war, because of the sin of man or the wrath of God. Well, what is the wrath of God? It's the result of the sin of man. So really, war is because of man's sin, because men are sinners, all right? And there's always going to be those who have this spirit of anarchy, and I don't want to be that. Uh, but I don't want to be stupid either. I, I, I don't think it's wrong to be wise as serpents, but to remember that it's not my job then to, because I have information that I think we've got corrupt government, that I'm going to just go start an anarchy. No, I'm not going to do that. But there is certainly political confusion going on. Uh, no doubt in my mind, most every election we have now has cheating going on. Uh, we know the media is in the tank and, and serves one side. We understand that. But still, I'm thankful. We live in the greatest nation on earth because we have a biblical foundation like no other nation on earth. And because of that, we are exempt and we have still been uh, preserved from certain destiny that other nations have fallen into. But we're getting there. 
uh, we're getting there. Our, the, the lack of biblical content and character in our young people today is shocking. One exit poll from last month's election was, was how that they showed how the older generation voted sharply to the conservative side, but the young 20-somethings voted to the liberal side. This is, this is very concerning if you happen to be someone living uh, you know, in 50 years old or younger because this means that the next 20 years we're seeing a trend here. Thank you, public school system, for a lot of that. Thank you, mom and dad, for not raising your children in a Christian home and under the word of God. We have all that. And we live in a nation where it's all about gimme, 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 and freebie, 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 and who, which politician promised to be the most. At the same time, uh, we have people who are running a chess game, and uh, the pawns usually fall off first. It's a sad thing. Daniel chapter 2 verse 29 says, 21 says, God removeth kings and setteth up kings. I'm reminded, and this settles me down quickly, that even though there are wicked people in this world, at any time when God wants, he can give them all a heart attack. At any time when God wants, he can thwart whatever plan they've got. But I also need to then recognize, like Daniel and Joseph, that there's reasons for why things happen. I mean, in Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's day, they had to come to grips with the fact that God was doing judgment on his people, Israel. And he was. But that doesn't mean that God was defeating them because Daniel, in my opinion, never lived a defeated life. He still stood for God and stood for righteousness and God blessed them. Let's encourage our day and our young people to stand and understand the same thing. I have no idea what God wants, but the big picture is not necessarily a physical material battle, but rather a spiritual battle that we need to win. That's the bigger picture. So I hope you know that I am not a Westboro Baptist. Anybody know what I mean? The Westboro Baptists, those guys are rotten, okay? Because they, they, all they do is scream out and preach out against the guys that were the pawns that had nothing to do with any of the corruption, all right? They're wrong. They're, and not only that, I hate the fact that they're Baptists or call themselves Baptists uh, because then that just smears the name uh, of what should be good. By the way, someone just told me today that there's, there's flaming Baptists in North Carolina that are pro-homosexuals now. Uh, it's, just, it's just sad. But anyhow, we are not Westboro Baptists by any means. We celebrate. And I apologize for a month ago. We had uh, Veterans Day week, and I just forgot. I meant to, and then it just things slipped my mind, and, and we didn't honor the veterans that week. But I do appreciate, and my, my father and my grandfather were veterans. But uh, understand that our government is ordained of God, and, and, and 2,000 years ago, the, the people, the Jewish people, found themselves under Roman rule. And a lot of them, like Judas Iscariot, were having a hard time understanding that God was allowing it for a bigger purpose, okay? And so let's not get too wound up and too deep in the weeds when it comes to the conspiracies because God's still in charge. Secondly, God's word instructs us to submit to higher powers, and that's true. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. We are to recognize God-ordained government. Now, the good thing about being American is we, the people, are, the, are supposed to be the power. We, the people, are supposed to be the law of the land. We make the laws. Now, we know that those things are getting twisted, and we understand that. But we praise the Lord that we still have the ability to obey God and, 
we submit to higher powers except for one reason. What would be the exemption to that? Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than men. This isn't having anything to do with war, but I think I meant it when I said it. If someone came to my home and said, we're from the government and we're going to stick a needle in your body and in your wife's body and in your children's body and we're going to inject something into them because we think we should. I said it and I hope I meant it. You try that and I'll be sticking something into your body. Because I think there comes a limit to my obedience to government. And, and I believe that the mark of the beast is coming and when it comes, I'll not take it if I happen to be alive. You know how many people capitulated to the shot? And you know how fast they'll capitulate to that? Listen, <clears throat> I know we've got a lot of preachers that teach that, oh no, we'll be out of here before then. Well, it's getting to be a little bit concerning how... how uh, Things are fast or, or unraveling fast. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm in God's army, and I'm going to stand and fight for him. And uh, I'll never desert or shoot someone in the back, but I'll recognize that maybe God wants me to be a missionary in a human army if I have to be for the Lord's army. There's a guy named Sergeant York. You can watch his story. It's a great story. Uh, he had a conscientious objection, but he finally understood I need to defend my friends and my fellow comrades, and he did, and he became a hero. Uh, there's another guy that was a Quaker. His name was Smedley Darlington Butler, and he lived in World War One. He was raised as a Quaker, and at first, of course, he wanted nothing to do with uh, fighting, but he had a different change of heart about some things, but <clears throat> he ended up being a major general when he retired. <clears throat> when he retired. It's a very interesting life. You can read about him if you'd like, but we have to recognize that we submit to higher powers. All murder is the killing of human life, but not all killing is murder. Prison executioners and police have a job to do. I was, I was the pastor of someone who had to kill somebody as an officer. I got the phone call. Our son just killed somebody as an officer and I went and talked with them and prayed with them and he didn't do anything wrong a drunk person tried to grab his weapon it was either him or them it's terrible I mean this person felt horrible shaking like a leaf sobbing but what are you supposed to do it's just natural God put it in us God gave claws to most animals for a reason and if you're a sheep, he gave you a shepherd. For defense, there's a reason. And God ordained home. And we're seeing this erosion of, of as if parents aren't in charge of their home anymore. God ordained home government in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God ordained human government in Genesis chapter 9 when he said, you know, life for life. And God ordained the church as well. <clears throat> Matthew 16. There are places for all of them, and we need everyone in their place. We need to recognize that. Um, not every It says in the top of page 35, not every man leaves his home to fight, but as a nation, uh, we are to move in obedience to our leaders. This is what God's word teaches. So if I was ultimately put in the place 
I would just realize, you know what, God's allowed me or put me into this position. I'm not going to try to resist God, but at the same time, I'm going to be a witness and a testimony to these guys. Because, And I would just say, look, guys, I'm not afraid to die. If I take a bullet or whatever tomorrow, I'm not afraid to die. But where are you going when you die? I can't imagine, but if you're in the battlefield or you're in the foxhole, you're thinking about death and eternity. What an opportunity to be a G.I. Joe Christian. As we have a, a comic track called Holy Joe. To, to be a witness and a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ and to share the gospel. What an awesome opportunity that would be. And what a great opportunity to exemplify sacrificing your life and laying down your life for others, as a Christian should do. The Bible teaches us that. This is the way Christians should deal with the issue. Um, it, it's not so much about feelings as it is about what does God would have us to do. What's, what's God's word say and how, how should we go about it? So um, sometimes... Going to war, I, I would say defending ourselves is, is in the necessity of nations. We, we need to do that individually as well. Um, but as, as we know, a lot of times the mission is, is not clear. It's not necessarily defending the homeland. What is it really all about? Who are we really defending? Whose bank account are we defending? We also see in the Bible that there are times when nations must rise up. Uh, and so we have to recognize what those times are. John chapter 18 and verse 36, Jesus said to Pilate, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. But again, his kingdom is not of this world. And so it wasn't necessary that he have them fight at that time. All right. Now, at the same time, did, did Jesus believe in self-defense? Well, Luke chapter 22 and verse 35 and 36, Jesus told his disciples, he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Well, there you go. See, Miss Wilma, that's why we had to buy another gun not too long ago. And Miss Wilma says, one, one. But I got two hands and I got four sons. One son-in-law. No, that's just the good old American way. And you know, the, the one one reason why the globalism is having a hard time is because this old America place with our with our Second Amendment. All right. Uh, in fact, speaking of Pearl Harbor, one of the Japanese officers said, "Oh, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do this. You're going to awaken the American spirit." And he was right. Uh, and they found out he was right. Uh, and, and, and yet, let's not be proud. And, and a lot of military, I remember a couple of years ago, we had a military preacher come through, and he said a lot of it's built on pride, and it is. As Christians, we know better than that. Uh, before, before pride is, or after pride is the fall. Before the fall comes the pride. Uh, but, I think, and I, it says, this cannot mean anything else but self-defense. And I wrote personal self-defense. Because I can much strongly, more strongly uh, prove personal self-defense from the word of God. But at the same time, as a nation, there, there are times when we, we have had to defend ourselves. And, um, and yet I, I so am suspicious. I will, I will say one good thing about President Trump. He kept us out of war. Thank, thankful for that. Um, I, I know that there are people who want us to go to war so badly. As I said earlier, it just it makes money. Uh, it, it's They think of the pawns on the board and they're not worried about them. Um, I don't trust our current administration. You know that. 
I don't trust the agendas that's going on here. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that. But instead of getting so wound up and worked up about that, I'm going to recognize that God's in charge. And he might want me to be put in a situation where it's not good, but it's an open door to witness to people like never before. And that's what I want to do. We've got to remember that sometimes God uses war for judgment. Ezekiel chapter number 14. Ezekiel chapter 14. It's not the only thing I appreciate about President Trump, but I, I, I will say I, I am so thankful that there was never any hint or <clears throat> of, of getting us involved in a war. I think some presidents, seeing that they need a, a boost in their popularity, have put America at war just to boost their popularity. Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 21. For thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my four sore judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword and the famine and the noisome beast and the pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. We see four things listed here. Sword, famine, noisome pestilence, excuse me, noisome beast and pestilence. God uses those things to execute judgment on people. And and God will do, do that. He will allow that for his purposes, for his sake. And, and we need to recognize that. You might not like it that I compared myself or our time to Daniel and Joseph. And I don't like it either, but I'm glad it's in the Bible. And you go back and you read. You read Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were young men whose country was being overrun by Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because they just got so far away from God. And let's stop kidding ourselves. We're not close to God. I'm sorry that Herschel Walker didn't win yesterday. That's a shame. But you know what? I, I can't help but think a lot of it is Herschel Walker's own fault in his background. Okay? You say, yeah, but the other side's just, I know, but we're the side that say we're Christian and conservative. And it's just sad to watch this unravel. Surely there's better people out there that we could have voted for. Surely, I remember years ago when one time it was Mitt Romney, the Mormon, and what was it, before or after? I can't, I've lost track. Before that, I think it was John McCain. I'm like, surely we got better choices than this. Surely. But the system has become hijacked, and we know that. And there's just sadness all around. And we should fight tooth and nail for as long as we can. And I'm thankful for South Dakota, and I'm thankful for where I live. I'm thankful for the county that I live in. I think it's the most conservative county in South Dakota. But the age is catching up with us, and the more conservatives are dying off because they're getting older. And the young generation has been pre-programmed to think differently, even if they are quote-unquote conservative. And so we need to recognize that it's possible. It is possible that we need to train our, our young people to think like a Daniel and a Joseph if you find yourself surrounded by people who are godless and God will not bless it. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? You're going to go down in a blaze of glory like Rambo? Or 
Are you going to recognize what God's putting you in here for? And you're going to recognize the bigger purpose is not just some patriotic blaze of glory like Rambo, but rather to be a Daniel and a Shadrach and a Meshach and a Abednego and to witness and preach the gospel. Then you read the New Testament and you see Paul, he was in prison. And you see these others and what they went through and, and yet you recognize God used it for his glory. And even the Christians in Europe 500 years ago and what they went through. We have to recognize that. We have to understand. And, uh, and, and yet again, please don't think that I'm telling you don't have defenses or don't be in shape or don't be defense, you know, ready for it with defense. Man, by all means. But more importantly, you ought to know this weapon better than any other weapon. This is the one you ought to know. This is the one you ought to have down and understood more than any other. Uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving, I think Saturday, some of us went out shooting. That was fun. Looking forward to do it again. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And it was enjoyable. And it, and it was necessary to familiarize with what we own to justify to our wives why we bought it. But even more fun is to use the word of God to preach the gospel to every creature. And to recognize that God's got purposes bigger than our own and see what God's doing behind the scenes. And, and to see, one thing that I really enjoy is when I see a, a picture of a military guy somewhere and the chaplain's been preaching and all of a sudden there's this huge tank of water and they're having a baptism for these guys that have gotten saved. Man, that's cool. Mike Petraco was here last week and he is retired military and he met my dad, I think, somewhere in the military service years ago. My dad was involved with other chaplains and guys on base. And, man, it's a blessing to have those Christians there. I mean, what a, what a plant, what a, what a missionary funded by the government to preach the gospel behind the scenes in, in places unusual. We need to recognize that we're in an unusual time in our lives. And I hope I'm being clear even if I sound not very clear but ultimately in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 I want to turn there 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 it says thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You see, you, he couldn't have even gave that, he, sh- he couldn't have given that illustration unless there were good soldiers. You know what I mean? And so it's a good thing to have a good soldier that you can look to and say, here's an example of what you should be spiritually. A good soldier has to endure hardness. And then verse 4 says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. There are some people in here who, are, who were, anyway, interested in the Hope Addictions Ministry. I hope that hasn't cooled off. But all I can say is, if you're going to be involved in the Hope Addictions Ministry, it requires a Friday night. 
And the Friday night is something that you'll have to say, you know what? I can't be entangled in other things on Friday night if I'm going to do this. And it's not just that. That's just one example. But it's the same thing with Anchor Club or it's the same thing with driving the van like we have guys do that. It's the same thing with being a pastor. It's the same thing with anything. You can't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. I've seen pastors who I think were good pastors and they were they were doing a good job, but then they got pretty good at making money. They they would buy a house and flip it. And then they'd buy another property and flip it. And, and, and then they realized that they could farm some of that land and they could, and, and in my opinion, it seemed like they were becoming more of a, of a sidetrack, like the, like the pastoring was kind of a side job. And in my opinion, it was entanglement with the affairs of this life. I, I'm supposed to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. And so I can't be entangled with other things that are going to keep me from being what I ought to be, that I may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier, to have chosen me to be a soldier. And so we have to recognize there's a goal. What is that goal? What is that purpose that God has for me in my life? What does he want me to do? And uh, I want to do it to the best of my ability. Now, in a simpler time, 200 years ago, 200 plus years ago, 225 years ago, in a simpler time, George Washington said, and I have the book if you want to read it, that of all my chaplains, the Baptists were some of the best soldiers I ever had. And he's talking about his Baptist chaplains and his Baptist soldiers. But what an opportunity. And and there's a painting, and there's even a picture out there of one of those chaplains baptizing him at the end of the war. A Baptist preacher. Now, Baptist preachers aren't supposed to be baptizing people unless what? Unless the person's saved first. Boy, what an opportunity. What a great thing that was. What a blessing to hear that and to see that. That's the way it should be. That should be the good testimony of Christians who are Bible-believers. That ought to be the case. And, I mean, do you expect the Catholic priest to be a good soldier? Because, let me just ask it this way. Do you expect the Catholic to be afraid of death or not afraid of death? Do you expect some other false religion to be afraid of death? But do you expect the Bible believer, we can go ahead and say Baptist, do you expect them to act like death is not that big of a deal? I mean, the truth is, we're already Christian soldiers. The truth is, is that I know people even recently who were killed on the mission field. There was someone killed a couple of years ago on accident, and then more recently than that, we heard of another missionary that was killed and of course it's a sad thing and it's a tragic story and yet we recognize they died knowing already they died before they died in other words they died to self before they died this guy that died last month was in Iraq and what usually happens with an American missionary is the terrorists assume that they're an American government official and they take them out this man that was killed a few weeks ago gave his life serving as a missionary in Iraq. So I already know those guys would be good soldiers physically, you know, materially, because they're already giving their lives. They're not afraid. And that should be the testimony. We're not afraid. We're not afraid. 
I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid. And I know that there are some in here, you've been in the heat of battle even more than I have, and you can tell me, look, Pastor, it's different when you're in the heat of battle. Yeah, I understand. But a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ should not be afraid to die. Philippians chapter 1, I think it is. I'll stop with this. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Only let your conversation, your lifestyle, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Say you find yourself drafted in the army and you're in the barracks and there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the barracks that Christians shouldn't have anything to do with. There's a lot of videos and pictures and who knows what. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast with one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and here it is, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. I know for a fact, I can't prove it to you tonight, but I know for a fact that there have been Christians in the foxholes next to their fellow GIs, and it was then and there that their fellow GIs knew for a, without a doubt that guy's a Christian because he does not look like he's afraid of where he's going next like I do. When they said, Daniel, if you pray one more time to your God, we're throwing the lion's den and did nothing terrified of your adversaries. That's what a Christian does. I'm not afraid to die. There's the power that a Christian has over anybody else. Which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation, that of God. For unto you it is given unto the, in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And if God would show, so choose to use me in some horrific way that would be an example to someone that my salvation and my future is something I look forward to and I'm not afraid to die. Wow, what a testimony. And if you say you have faith but you're afraid, that says something too. I've gone on a lot of rabbit trails tonight and I'm sorry. But I do believe that God teaches us to defend ourselves. I do believe that we as a people should defend our country and defend our nation. But I think we've messed up by allowing a lot of the corrupt, wicked enemies of our land to be in charge of our land. And I think if you really wanted to fix the country, you might have to... Well, I can't say it. So instead, we need to pray and ask God for wisdom and direction of what we're supposed to do. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's the sword. It's the sword that's most useful more than any of the weapons that we can find or own. Lord, help us to have wisdom in these coming days and the direction that you'd have each young person in here to take. Help us ultimately to understand that we are to let our light shine, that we are to be a witness wherever we are, that we are to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ above all else that we are to lead by example in every area not just with our mouth and what we say but with our actions
and may we ultimately see people come to you for salvation and if we be placed in the presence of high ranking people that it wouldn't change one thing that we believe but we would stand firm and preach and teach the gospel just as Paul and others did Daniel, Joseph help us to be soldiers of the gospel help us if necessary to defend our homes when necessary defend our land when necessary but ultimately help us to recognize there's a new heaven and new earth we don't lose we have a captain that won't ever be voted out of office and we can't lose when we follow you and help us to remember that and ultimately in all this and be wise as serpents harmless as doves we ask in jesus name amen